We are supported by FNX Fit. FNX is a workout and supplement company that is committed to creating innovative supplements of the highest quality. FNX has high quality protein powders, creatine, and pre-workout supplements. FNX has also got amazing workout gear such as tees and tanks, an essential joggers line, and of course, shaker bottles. Not only is FNX Fit selling great products, but they have an even better message. FNX has launched their live program. With every FNX order, they are donating a portion of each product bought and helping deliver clean drinking water in countries of need. Go to the special link in the description below and use our promo code DREWCODE15 to get 15% off your purchase when you use our link. And don't forget, we become greater when we rise together. This is Cody here with Drew Code Sports Talk. I am coming at you with a brand new episode. It is Friday, May the 12th, 10 p.m. The Lakers game just ended a little over I don't know, 30, 45 minutes ago. And so I uh, wanted to hop on here and do a quick episode, talk about some NBA playoffs, obviously the Lakers. Um, Drew is not obviously going to be on this show. He is actually doing finals right now for school. So he is knee deep in it right now. So it'll just be me for tonight. Um, I did miss last week's episode, but thankfully his wife, uh, Jessica, filled in and she did a great job. Their topic on Formula One was fantastic, really good. If you guys have not heard that episode, go and check it out now. Come back and listen to this one. It was it was great. And uh, hopefully she'll join me next time we talk about Formula One because I know it's about her favorite driver, Checo, and her second favorite driver, Max Verstappen. So hopefully that happens. But anyways, guys, uh, I'm coming at you now. Like I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Lakers and some of the other playoff uh, series that's currently going on right now. And then we're going to dive all into that. But before we do, please don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also subscribe to the podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, you know, all the, all the podcast platforms that you choose to listen to your podcast on we are on there so head over there go to go subscribe download follow whatever you got to do you can also listen to us on our website drewcodesportstalk.com and then all on drewcodesportstalk.com or you know any of the other social media sites has all of our social media content tiktok twitter instagram facebook all that good stuff so all right now that i got the pleasantries out of the way hope you guys are doing well It is Mother's Day weekend leading up to me doing this episode, so shout out to all the mothers out there for all that you do and for the children that you have brought into this world that are phenomenal human beings. Um, You know, you guys uh, make us men, us dads, better people because we have great and strong women that help us raise great families, and um, I know I'm just going to speak for my wife. I am so fortunate to have her as the mother of my kids just because of all that she does. So shout out to you, hun. I know that I don't talk too much about my wife here on the show other than in some joke and form, but she is truly the the bedstone of what our family is. So happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to Jess. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the other mothers out there and grandmothers and expecting mothers. And if you um, are a fur parent uh, and fur mother parents, Happy Mother's Day to you too. So, anyways, let's get diving into it, you guys. So, man, game six of the Lakers and the Warriors, like I said, just ended a little while ago. Um, no, probably like 45 minutes ago. Very good game. By the way, a phenomenal series just in general. Probably the one of the best series I've seen in quite a bit of time. Um, and I think to the whole mystique with, you know, Steph Curry versus LeBron James was great. And as those that have known or have paid attention to basketball for the last 10 years, you know, LeBron, when he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, Steph Curry, obviously he's been with the Warriors his entire career. They have met in the playoffs in the NBA finals specifically several times. And, you know, LeBron has the infamous three, one comeback um, when he was with Cleveland in 2016, but the other, I believe, three times that the Cavs and the Warriors have met in the playoffs, 
uh steph's got the better rate. actually i think it was four times if i'm not mistaken but anyways um curry has beaten lebron you know three out of the four times that they've met in the finals granted two of them were with kevin durant but there was one where it was just you know the splash brothers and uh young draymond green at the time so obviously there's a lot of history between lebron going against golden state uh obviously lebron's coming in with a different team and so is golden state respectively i mean they've gotten the same they retain the same core of course with draymond green and Steph Curry and um, Clay Thompson. So they're pretty much intact. You know, obviously their role players have changed over the years and same with the Lakers. In fact, LeBron's on a completely different team has had AD on his, uh, on his squad since he's come over to, uh, or yeah, since he's come over to LA and um, this is basically a test to see where the Lakers are at, to be honest, because, you know, again, they're going against the defending champions. The defending champions all season, Golden State Warriors, have not been great. They've been terrible on the road. Um, they have a 11-30 and 30 record. Um, you know, so the Lakers really had to take care of business because if you give the champions the opportunity to go back to Oracle Arena, they are not losing Game 7. That's what I was telling. And, I, and actually, I even told that to Drew earlier today. We were texting off and on um, throughout the day, and I was texting him throughout the game. And I was telling him, man, if the Warriors take this back to Oracle, uh, they're not losing that game. Uh, Lakers are Lakers would be eliminated in seven. But um, it was it was uh, man, it was a great game. Um, lots of interesting stuff that happened throughout the game. The Lakers' game plan to contain Steph Curry was great. Now, granted, the stat line's not going to show it because uh, you know he did score thirty-two points, five assists, six rebounds. Um, however, he shot four 14 from three. So not the most efficient three porting shooting from Steph Curry, but honestly looking at the Lakers and their team defense, the fact that they switched on the pick and roll. So that way he really didn't have any sort of cushion or a lot of, you know, openings. Uh, Steph Curry was shooting the ball still at like what Steph Curry does, but he just wasn't able to be as efficient and, and, you know, get hot and be able to continue, um, you know, his streaky shooting. Now, granted, he still was able to get into the paint. You know, Steph Curry's really underrated with um, getting, you know, driving to the basket, finishing, um, you know, his finishing layup series is phenomenal. He's probably like the best finisher at the rim when it comes to like layups, just because he has his floating game. He has the finger roll. He can very easily, you know, do what he can to, to get to the rack and you're not pretty much good. You're pretty much not going to stop him from scoring that layup. It's essentially like his, his way of dunking obviously, cause he doesn't dunk frequently, but he's just phenomenal when it comes to driving and finishing. So anyways, overall though, Curry was still able to get into the paint, just wasn't able to shoot efficiently, which, you know, you were, you saw that he was trying to get hot, had a couple of threes that came, but wasn't able to string two in a row together. Um, Clay Thompson had a very poor game. I know that for many years, Clay Thompson has had the game six clay marker on him. Um, I think that's pretty much gone. His game sixes, I think happen obviously pre injury, um, before he tore his ACL and his Achilles and not any faults of Clay Thompson, just, you know, older player injury trying to figure out his place in the uh warriors rotation essentially was out of it for two seasons he's not even been back into it for a full two seasons um you know he's still trying to figure out his his way around it he finished with eight points three of 13 three of 19 shooting excuse me two of 12 from three points he didn't shoot any free throws he had five assists, three rebounds. He played 38 minutes. Um, Clay Thompson just was not comfortable shooting the ball. I mean, there was a couple of shots where, you know, it went in very smooth. But for the most part, you know, Clay Thompson couldn't get hot. Andrew Wiggins was another player who had a great game five. If anybody watched game five, uh, I believe he was a second leading scorer. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was. And he shot very efficient in game five. But in game six, this game, you know, two of eight, six points. Two for two for four from the free throw line, very minimal stats. He played twenty eight minutes. I know he's playing with a, uh, uh, I think he had like bruised rib cartilage or something of that nature, so he was hindered. Um, you know, Kevon Looney had nine points, eighteen rebounds. He was an absolute monster on the boards, but 
you know, you come over to the Lakers and they just had everybody helping scoring. Um, AD, 17 points, not his greatest outpouring of scoring. He is efficient, though. He only put up nine shots, went five of nine. Uh, but he actually made more free throws and attempted more free throws than he did field goals. Uh, so he finished the game with 17 points, 20 rebounds, 20 rebounds, 17 on the defensive side. He had two block shots, two steals, no turnovers, very efficient and great, great presence. You can definitely tell he altered a lot of shots in the paint, um, especially in this game. He was really good about on those pick and rolls where he he wouldn't drop back so deep, especially if he was the one guarding Steph. He made sure he got right in Steph's space and used his length to really disrupt the shot. And you can tell it. it was tremendous you got austin reeves who had 23 points gosh seven of 12 from the field four of five from three five for five from the free throw line six assists five rebounds um man this this kid he (laughs) he's probably like the if if it if lebron's not the mvp of the of the lakers for the postseason austin reeves is making a strong case for that for that because he's definitely been their x factor and if i'm being honest he's probably their third best scorer on the team i mean underrated ball handling skills can finish draws contact i mean he he is a great player so he had 23 you got d'angelo russell at 19 points uh you know seven of 15 two of three from the three-point line uh three or four from free throw so uh, D'Angelo Russell did really good. He created a lot of openings. And I think one of the things that he did well is he helped, you know, create space because he didn't shoot the three very well, but a couple of the shots that he did take, obviously they did fall. So the defense had to, had to respect him a little bit and it was able to open up a little bit more for the Lakers offense. Dennis Schroeder, unfortunately he got tossed, uh, I believe in the third quarter, um, double technical, which I didn't agree with. Um, he only had three points. But uh, LeBron James, 30 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, um, 8 of 11 from the free throw line, 2 of 3 from 3-point range, and 10 of 14 from the field in general on 43 minutes. Absolute monster game. Uh, He is the GOAT for a reason. Um, You know, I know that there is a ton of debate about, you know, the greatest player of all time. Is it LeBron James? Is it Michael Jordan? I'm getting to the point now where both things can be true. They're both great players and there's just a lot of differences and we're really just splitting hairs when it comes to like a lot of things. But I mean, I remember watching Michael Jordan play when he was, you know, 38. Um, I remember when he played on the Wizards. I think obviously he played two seasons there. So he played in 38, 39, 40s. I remember that time and he played like he was an older player. Uh, You know, obviously... You know, he had a lot of injury. They played in a more of a rougher era back then. So granted, yeah, the game, you know, took its toll on Jordan a little bit harder. But LeBron obviously has spent 20 years uh, still playing tremendously. I was actually nervous. My notes earlier today, if I was going to record before the game, was that, you know, one of the things I'm concerned with with the Lakers is that LeBron just looks older. He just doesn't seem to he didn't seem to be creating the opportunities he was before. Obviously he's getting his guys involved, so he'd be passing a lot more, but it also looked like to me that he was, um, just not the LeBron of old, but again, the LeBron of old would take over games and, you know, would, he, you know, he would, he would distribute, he would rebound, but you can just tell he was more athletic. He was the best player on the floor. And then there were some games, uh, especially in the Warriors games, where maybe LeBron didn't give 100% effort, and again, he's conserving energy. I'm not saying that he needs to be 100% all the time, but um, it just seemed like, you know, played too many minutes, so you can just tell his body just was wearing down from what it looked like. And then today, in this game, game six, he absolutely came out as if he was 25 all over again. He played phenomenal. I mean, I don't remember seeing LeBron play with this much energy, this much giddy-up, and I would honestly say since like 2020 bubble LeBron, that was like the last time I remember seeing LeBron being explosive, uh, you know, driving to the hoop, making great basketball decisions, which he still does. But this was like flashbacks to 2020 when LeBron was just still superior to everybody. And 
you know, a lot of people would argue that Steph Curry is still, um, well, or could argue that he is the best player in basketball just because of, you know, how he shoots the ball, how he's able to corral his team and just overachieve. And I'm referring to Steph Curry on the Warriors overachieve with, you know, with the team that they have, even though they're not nearly as talented as they have been before. And I mean, LeBron played as if he was the absolute best player on that floor. He did it at age 30 game six, super efficient and tremendous. Like this is man. If LeBron gets to the finals and I'll, I'll touch base about this a little bit later when it comes to the Lakers and the nuggets, but if LeBron can get to the finals, uh, regardless if it gets the Miami heat or, you know, whoever comes out of the East, um, and gets a championship this late in his career, I believe that'd be number five, man, you would all, I mean, I mean, I'm a Jordan fan. I'm, I'm the one that will say Jordan is the best player of all time. It would be really hard for me to still say that Jordan is the best player. Once LeBron's career is over again, a lot of different factors and everyone's going to have their preferences and judge it differently. But it's a really hard argument to make at 38, the way that he played in these playoffs and not only the Memphis series, but you know, in the warrior series, um, Tremendous, 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 tremendous. So all the credit to the Lakers. They are now moving on. They're going to play the Denver Nuggets in Denver, I believe, on Tuesday night. Uh, the Warriors are going to be on an early offseason, so they are done. Got eliminated in six. Uh, a couple of questions I have, though, about the Warriors is, you know, my question is, are they going to keep this team intact? Uh, what, I reme- what I'm meaning is, are they going to keep Draymond Green? Are they going to keep Klay Thompson? I think that obvious. I, in my opinion, I think they're going to keep Andrew Wiggins. <clears throat> I believe that he's a player that you can keep because you know he's got he's young enough. He can play great defense. He doesn't have to be the number one option. He's okay being the number two scorer, and um, you know he's honestly a, he's a former number one pick. Used to used to be in the number one guy, but you know he seems to fit better as being like a go to maybe number three role player. And I think that's 100% okay if Andrew Wiggins wants to continue that role. And I think, honestly, the Warriors would prefer to have him be, you know, maybe an aggressive number three scorer who gives them really great length and defense. Draymond Green is a little bit of an interesting one. Obviously, Draymond Green's probably the emotional anchor of the team. He, you know, is the one that really gets them defensively set. You know, he's he's one of the best in the league when it comes defensively. Obviously he's not the greatest offensive outputter, but you know, he, his services are best used towards facilitating, defending, getting them set offensively, defensively. Um, you know, some of the things I really, I take exception with, with Draymond green is sometimes his emotions get so over the top that it costs his team, whether that's technical fouls or foolish fouls, or, you know, in the start of this off season, he punched a teammate, um, you know, in this play, the previous series with the Kings, you know, controversy about like certain flagrant fouls. And I know the Sabonis uh, incident where he stepped on Sabonis when Sabonis grabbed his ankle. That was more of like as a fault of its own between both players. But, you know, again, the Warriors are having to deal with, you know, Draymond Green getting so emotional that they'll lose him for pivotal games. So like when the NBA is obviously keeping track of your technical fouls and your objections or whatnot. And, you know, uh, obviously when you carry those into the playoffs and you're on a short lease, you really cannot afford to continue to not check yourself emotionally. And I get it. A lot of the players are just getting a technical foul to def- to fight and to get their team fired up. But, you know, in the playoffs, when you have a guy that can't play because of technical fouls, in my opinion, that's not really a emotionally charging the team. It's being a detriment to the team. So I think uh, I, my question you know, would the are the Warriors going to bring back Draymond Green? I think that's a valid question. I'm concerned too. Are they going to bring black, uh, be, bring back Clay Thompson? Uh, you know, again, he was inserted back onto the team last season. Uh, I think he played like a little over half the season last year. Obviously, played throughout the playoffs, um, helped the team win the championship. I mean, he did effective scoring, but he wasn't obviously Clay Thompson of of the of the past pre-injury and then this season he had a full off season full preseason 
full-time with the team. He played better, shot better, of course, played with a little bit more confidence. In the playoffs, he was a little bit more up and down. Um, and then game six, you know, you really need game six clay. It just wasn't there. And uh, I know that this Warriors team has been together for a very long time, but you got cap space you got to think about. You got depth you got to, uh, you know, look into. You got uh, the Warriors traded James Wiseman uh, in the trading deadline. Could have really used him maybe in this game to help slow down AD and maybe spread the floor to create some scoring because Kayvon Looney, he's a great rebounder, but you're really then playing, you know, four on five. And then if you have Draymond Green, it's really more like three on five because Draymond Green's not going to look to score first. He's going to facilitate. And again, Kayvon Looney is just more there to, uh, to, you know, create second chance opportunities, maybe get a couple of scores down in the paint, but it's not really his game. Um, and Jordan Poole, I mean, I think one of the things about Jordan Poole that makes him an interesting player is some nights he is arguably the best player or second best player on the Warriors team behind Steph Curry. And then there's other games that he'll have where you're wondering, how does he have a spot on this team? And I've, I've watched Jordan Poole play. I think he's a very good player. He has very good ball handling skills, very elusive, uh, can create lots of space to get to the hole, create other opportunities for other teammates. But at the same time, he's, in my opinion, he's very inconsistent. I mean, I'm not seeing a guy that you can rely to get you, you know, 18 points, distribute the ball, protect the ball, um, all the time, you know, um, he's turnover prone, does poor fouling. Um, you know, I think Jordan Poole, if he, I don't want to say mature, cause I think he's a, he's probably a very mature player being on the Warriors. Cause Steve Kerr doesn't usually have immature players on his team, but I think if Jordan Poole would play with a little bit more control, don't get too carried away with the game. I know we want to play uh loose have fun and then you know you know create opportunities but at the same time if you're a little reckless you're more doing harm to the team than good i mean up until maybe the last part of the fourth quarter he really wasn't doing well he had four fouls no points um i think he came in at the end of the or last part of the third quarter and majority of the fourth quarter and that's where he did most of his scoring and he finished with seven points 0 for 3 from the field, 3 for 10, uh, 3 for 10 from the field, 0 for 3 from uh, the three-point stripe, and he only had one free throw. So, you know, I think Jordan Poole is probably a great player that they can bring off the bench to give Steph Curry a um, breather, you know, could give Clay Thompson a breather or pair, you know, Poole with Thompson with the second unit when Steph Curry needs to sit or have him on the in a in the uh, finish line in the finishing lineup at the end of the fourth, but you know, what are the Warriors going to do? I, I don't think they're going to get it rid of Poole. They may give him one more year, although Poole may leave. Though I mean, there was a lot of controversy with Draymond Green that was really distracting, uh, changed a lot of the dynamic for you know Draymond and Jordan Poole. Who knows if Jordan Poole wants to stay? And again, who knows if the Warriors want to keep Draymond? Um, so. I think that they have a lot of question marks, but as we look ahead to the Nuggets and the Lakers, I think a huge question is, can the Lakers defeat the Nuggets? Now, I was texting Drew about this, and I'm going to give you guys his, his point that he, that, he wants me to, that he wants me to bring up on, the, on tonight's episode. And it was a great point, by the way. So anyways, I, talking about can the Lakers handle the the nuggets um first off it's going to require exactly what the lakers did they got to get set on defense don't play into the nuggets hands the nuggets play very similar to how the how the warriors like to play they like to uh shoot efficiently they like to get out and run and they like you to rush so what will end up happening of course is you know the warriors or the nuggets may put up nine points within 
a minute because of their three-point shooting inefficiency and get on a quick run. And what that does is that's getting the team to now start to rush their offense, take ill-advised shots, and what obviously what happens is teams don't then shoot efficiently, and then it creates rebounding opportunities for the Warriors or you know the Nuggets in this case, and they get out and run. The problem, though, with the difference between the Warriors and the Nuggets is the Nuggets have a big man in Nikola Jokic who is a walking triple-double who can shoot efficiently and distribute and rebound, and he's got phenomenal footwork. Um, and now you got Jamal Murray, who essentially is returned back to former Jamal Murray. And then you got players like Reggie Jackson, backup point guard, uh, Michael Porter Jr., who's you know been very good these playoffs, which is very dangerous because he could very easily be the number one scorer of that night. Um, you know, called uh, Cardwell Pole is a is a former um, Laker from when they were uh, champions in the bubble. So he knows the Lakers. They know him. Aaron Gordon, who is an undersized power forward, but he handles the ball well. He's a good distributor. He's athletic. He can shoot. Um, you know, if if the Lakers can slow down the game like they did on the Warriors, um, I think the Lakers could possibly pull out this victory in seven i'll say i think it'll go down because the because the nuggets can play well on the road as well that's the thing about uh these nuggets is they're not the warriors warriors were a awful team on the road like i mentioned at the start of the show they were 11 of 30 um on the road and obviously they lost on the road so it's only fitting that that was their demise but Overall, though, the Nuggets are a very sound team, um, and they can play just about anywhere. So this is a bigger challenge because the Lakers are going to have to go to Denver and win a, win a game because obviously they're the lower seed, so they're not going to have home court advantage. So they need to steal one game in Denver and that high altitude. So that's going to be a test because you got... LeBron and AD that have to play a tremendous amount of minutes to do so. Um, if the Lakers can keep up the trend, which is what they've done the last two series, if they can still game one, they will probably coast in game two, get back home for game three and four, and hopefully win those out, get up three, one, have game five to fall back on as I guess a quote unquote rest game, and then go again in, in LA in game six. Probably have a good shot, but here's the problem. I'm saying in seven games because I think the Nuggets can steal one in L.A. as well. Now, the Lakers are 7-0 at home in the playoffs, so the Lakers are not easy to, to beat at home. That crypto arena, crypto.com arena, whatever, formerly known as Staples Center, is a, is a popular venue, always full of energy. It seems like the Lakers play with a lot more energy at home, of course, Clearly in game six, they were just on fire. Uh, you know, I believe it was game six uh, against the Grizzlies. They put they they beat the Grizzlies by 40. They just couldn't miss, and that crowd was electric. The Lakers played with a ton of energy. The Nuggets going to L.A. is going to be very tough, but again, I will say, too, the Lakers going to Denver is a, is a huge one as well because, again, that's just a different climate to get used to, and it can be really rough. So let me get to the point that... Andrew had made, which was a great point. And honestly, it is probably the reason, or not probably, it is in fact the reason why the Lakers have been able to progress throughout the, the playoffs and beat teams like the Grizzlies and the Warriors. So, you know, I asked Drew, you know, what do you what do you want to say about the these Lakers and these playoffs and specifically about the Nuggets? And he says, one thing I'll say is that the Lakers didn't need a number three guy. They have multiple number three guys in the rotation. One night it's it's Rui, another night it's Reeves, then it's Walker, then it's D'Angelo Russell, and then also it it's a variety of players. And I 100% agree. And and to his to Drew's point, this is what makes the Lakers scary. Is yes, they have AD and they have LeBron. But even, and this is the point, this is another thing I'll bring around to his point as well to validate it, is even when LeBron was injured, the Lakers were able to win. I believe that there was a stretch, this was post 
uh, trade deadline. This is when we got all the new players from that trading deadline, basically restructured our roster right after, I believe, or right before the trade deadline going into All-Star Weekend. LeBron, I believe, was out, or maybe it was AD. One of those two was out for a stretch of like 13 games. And the Lakers, without whichever those players, went 8-5. and five. Very impressive with the roster. Darvin Ham has... I, I, Darvin Han has done a great job. I really wish that there was a second award like structure that went towards playoffs, not just, you know, finals MVP, conference finals MVP, but like a legit, like, you know, a legit, like, let's say best coach of the, of the playoffs. Darvin Ham, in my opinion, would be on this because not only has he arguably been a great coach with this new roster, but in the playoffs has made a lot of the great adjustments. I mean, you know, Lonnie Walker is a great example of, you know, being a player that had a starting role in the offense early in the season, reduced it to like almost never seeing the floor for long stretches of games. And now in the playoffs, specifically in game four, called upon him and he was ready, scored, won them the game. And then now has a pro has a, has a pretty good role within the offense uh, and plays significant minutes, you know, with Darvin Hand's system. But, you know, that could have very easily gone the wrong way where, you know, Walker didn't want to be a part of it after being basically pushed to the bench. And Darvin Ham, that team, they still rallied together and they formed the bond and, you know, next man up mentality. And it was as as real as that phrase ever got when it came to game uh, game four. But Again, to validate Drew's point here is if it's not Walker, it could be Reeves. If it's not Reeves, it's D'Angelo Russell. If it's not D'Angelo Russell, it's Rui. It could be literally anybody. Um, and that's not even including like Vanderbilt is a wild card for us on defense. He in game one, he was a big reason why we were able to slow down Steph enough to where we were able to you know, get him to shoot a little inefficiently along with some other team defense and closing out and whatnot. But, you know, again, if he he's doesn't have the greatest jumper, but he gets involved and he can create second chance opportunities and and can get to the rack could also I know that his sweet spot is at corner three on either side. And if he has a good shot at it, normally it can go in. Obviously, he's not 100 percent consistent, but, you know, you give him enough opportunities and he'll make you pay. But the Lakers just have a ton of offensive weapons, more so. And I I would love to see the Lakers find a way to get Malik Beasley back into the rotation because I really think that, yeah, he hasn't shot super efficient lately, like for a long time. But obviously, shooters, you got to let them shoot. Also, too, he just helps stretch the floor a little bit. And he obviously was uh, formerly with the Denver Nuggets and it would help. It would really help to get him on the floor. So that way on a defensive side, he knows how to help defensively stop their offense. So, you know, I, I will say, I think the Lakers could, could beat the Nuggets. I'm going to say it'll take all seven games. And again, on the road is going to be a huge factor if it can be done. And, uh, Man, I, I don't want to jinx it by saying, yeah, the Lakers are going all the way, but man, they have a really good shot, like a an extremely good shot to get all the way to the finals and even win it because I'll and I'll break this down too in the East later on in the show about, you know, what I'm my, what my feelings are between the, the remaining Eastern Conference teams and, and whatnot. So. Hey everybody, it's Cody with Drew Code Sports Talk. We want to give a special shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring our podcast. SeatGeek is a ticketing app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek is known for using a 0 to 10 scale when you're purchasing tickets to let you know if you're getting a good deal or a bad deal. And it lets you know right at the time of purchase. And right now they're giving our listeners $20 off when you use our promo code DREWCODE at the time of checkout. So go to the link in the description or download the app. Don't forget to use our promo code DREWCODE to get $20 off your first order. And we hope to see you at the next game what's going on everybody this is cody with drew code sports talk we are proud to announce that drew code is a proud member 
of the Fanatics affiliate program. If you don't know what Fanatics is, Fanatics is a one-of-a-kind, unique sports apparel website that sells officially licensed NFL, NBA, MLB, college sports, and WWE gear. Fanatics is where all your favorite leagues and teams are available to buy. Drew and I, of course, are diehard Raiders fans and Giants fans, so of course, we are going to Fanatics.com to get all of the latest gear for our teams to be the most represented. Right now, you can click the link in the description below to purchase your favorite team's officially licensed gear now. Follow us on social media and get the latest news on discounts and promos. We'll see you there. All right, guys. Welcome back. Again, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, so quick update with Drew because I know that he gave you guys a little quick update. So um, yesterday he um, was telling me that uh, obviously there's a, a lot going on between the house, which by the way is almost finished. Him and his wife have been troopers living in the the house that they bought they're doing there's work to be done around it and so they've been really toughing it out right now between like you know uh workers going in and out of there doing what they need to do to fix certain things around the house and uh he'll pull me in the morning and he'll fill me in on certain things and uh you know i feel for him i mean first time home buyers that they are and they have a house that they've been fighting for for a long time and you know they want to get it perfect and uh you know uh, I know that there's a trip in his future that he's hoping for because he was telling me that he's dying to go to San Francisco and hopefully he gets that uh, very soon. But uh, also too, today um, was his last game. So today being Friday, May the 12th was his last uh, Sanger West baseball game uh, that he was, that he did announce if anyone who hasn't followed with the show uh, drew does basically sports announcing for this this local high school here in the valley the sanger west uh, hornets uh, and uh, he wrapped up essentially the last sport that he'll do for the year and uh, you know he he he's sad that it's ended already because for those that live in california we've had crazy weather and there was like a four-week, five-week stretch, I think, where they canceled a lot of the home games. And so he just didn't feel like he was able to get a lot of the games in. But he loved his experience. And he, uh, you know, wants to shout out the Singer West Hornets, baseball and softball. Uh, also, to shout out the basketball and football. He's so excited to get back on on the grind. And, uh, you know, he's so excited to be involved in the Hornets uh, community. And uh, I'm I'm very happy for him and very proud of him. So, if you guys are hearing this, make sure you guys go over and tell Drew, uh, congrats on a great season, and show him some love and support uh, for repping Sanger West Hornets and Hornets. Show him some love as well because he he is repping y'all, man. Like he he is ride or die Hornets now. So it's awesome. So okay, moving on, you guys. Uh, that's enough about Drew. We have a show to get to. <laughs> just kidding. So anyways, so back a uh, little bit to the West. I'll try to keep these a little bit quicker just because um, I don't want this to go too long. But uh, for those that don't know, Suns eliminated the or were eliminated, excuse me, by the Nuggets uh, Wednesday night. So funny story. I actually text Drew like five minutes before tip off because I had just found out that uh, DeAndre Ayton was uh, was going to be inactive. And obviously, Chris Paul was inactive because he's injured. And it was only Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and I forgot who else. And I'm, and they obviously, as we, everyone knows, Phoenix Suns had absolutely no depth, especially after they traded for Kevin Durant. They gave up literally everybody, the ball boy concession stand guys for Kevin Durant and one other player, maybe. So obviously the Suns were already shorthanded, uh, already on a short leash when it came to rotations. You needed every single player to play the Nuggets, as obviously as we just talked about in the you know previous segment regarding the uh, uh, Lakers and the Nuggets. So, you know, I I texted Drew and I said, Drew, there's no Aiton, there's no Paul, Nuggets by thirty, <laughs> and sure enough, it was by thirty by halftime. Now, granted, they won only by twenty five, so I was off by five. But it, I mean, honestly, in the first quarter, it looked close kind of and then the nuggets just said okay we're done with this uh you guys had your moment we're gonna kill you now or not excuse me that's inappropriate we're going to put you guys to bed and that's exactly what they did they absolutely just annihilated the suns and 
you know, there's a lot of questions what the Suns should do. Should they keep the same roster? Do they blow it up? Um, I know that Drew was, uh, we, we have this app, Marco Polo, uh, where we message each other back and forth pro- almost every single morning. And he was, you know, asked a really good point. Like, what do you do? Do you bring back Chris Paul? Do you, do you let him go? Do you, what do you do with DeAndre Ayton? What about Kevin Durant? What about Devin Booker? Like, there's a lot of questions because, you know, I believe if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Durant, uh, just signed his extension. So I think he still has two years left on his current deal after this season. So he's locked in for at least two years. I believe Devin Booker has two years left on his current extension. And I think DeAndre Ayton had already signed his extension this past summer. Uh, And I believe, obviously, he just finished a year of it. So I think he's got like three years left on that as well. And he just re-signed. So that looks like that Chris Paul is probably the odd man out. And I would agree that Chris Paul probably needs to leave. Um, not that Chris Paul is not a great point guard, but the last few playoffs he's been injured. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate because the playoffs are played just so later in the season, and you know you're doing your best to, you know, do great in the regular season to get yourself in a good seating to then compete home court, all that stuff. But just you know, Chris Paul just seems to get hurt in the most. Uh, in the in the worst timing ever when it comes to the playoffs and not any fault of his own of course he's just a player doing what he can and you know he just he gets injured and unfortunately he gets injured at pivotal times and you know i think i and i'll be and i'll be completely honest i thought the suns were going to be a, the team in the west that came out because you got kevin durant you had devin booker you had chris paul deandre ayton i thought man that's a really good team even if you don't have a whole lot of depth you know, you have a lot of guys that can shoot, a lot of smart veterans on there. You know, the playoffs, you slow down a little bit. Um, for the Suns, though, man, they were, they, for some reason, are not using DeAndre Ayton to what his, what I thought his strength was. And Drew brought up this great point where DeAndre Ayton, when he first came into the league, he would stretch the floor. He'd be out by the three, he'd shoot a mid range. And then obviously, he's a great rebounder, he's very tough in the paint. And then this season, it seems like he just dwindled down to just a big guy that rebounds. And, um, you know, sure, he can do that, but he's not contributing anything offensively. So, like, he's not really doing anything for you. You know, I know that uh, there's been um, DeAndre Ayton and the head coach for the Phoenix Suns, I know, has, you know, had an interesting relationship. I think there was a rumor last season that he didn't want to resign because of the head coach and he still resigned with Phoenix. Um, but you know, I think Chris Paul would be the first player I look to, to trade to a team. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul gets traded back to, let's say Houston. Um, I know that there's like rumors that James Harden wants to go back to Houston. So I don't know how likely that that's going to happen in terms of uh, Chris Paul going to um, Chris Paul going back to Houston. Maybe Chris Paul goes to Philadelphia. I know that Philadelphia could really use a facilitator. Um, You know, Washington Wizards maybe comes to mind. I just, I mean, to get Chris Paul off your books is basically to free up a lot of cap space to get some role players and defensive guys in there to help, you know, help support the, uh, Suns offensively with Devin Booker and, um, and Kevin Durant. I would not get rid of Devin Booker. If I was the Suns. I would hold on to him. He's clearly obviously the franchise of that team. He's still young enough to where he's going to put up a lot of points. Um, I would keep Kevin Durant until his contract ends and I would even extend him because he's shown a lot of, Still, he's got a lot left in the tank, and even though he's had you know that Achilles injury many years ago, he seems to be a hundred percent back and looks even better than pre-injury. Um, you know, I think DeAndre Ayton would benefit in a new scenery. I just don't think that he's going to go anywhere because of the contract extension. So he's probably still in Phoenix for at least one more year. Um, but uh, I, I think Chris Paul's an odd man out over here. I, and I don't think that Kevin Durant's going to be able to... Um, I don't think Kevin Durant is going to be able to um, facilitate any sort of trade to get out of Phoenix um, unless he just refuses to play, which, you know, again, Phoenix was his team that he wanted to go to and he got his wish. So 
not really not really sure, but we'll see. I think the Suns, unfortunately, are one of the bigger disappointments so far in the West, just because they had championship aspirations and they, I mean, they they got obliterated in this in this past game. I mean, it was it was bad, and you know, give credit to the Suns; they played their hearts out. But you know, since their finals appearance, they just have not been great. So we'll see what they do. Um, now moving on to the East, um, we got Celtics and we got Sixers game seven. Um, one of the questions I put on here, if the Sixers lose game seven, will doc rivers return as head coach? I don't think so. No. In fact, I actually think that if he loses, um, obviously game seven, I think if the Sixers, I don't think they'll get swept in the conference finals if they make it, but Honestly, I think Doc Rivers has got to get them literally to the brink of elimination in the conference finals or in the NBA finals to keep his job. But if he's eliminated in game seven uh, to the Celtics, yeah, he's he's going to get he's he's going to get let go. There's just no way. And honestly, too, um, Doc Rivers has made some questionable um, moves in terms of his team offensively. Uh, you know, I know that they acquired James Harden last year, and uh, you know, I think James Harden and and Joel Embiid work well together. But for some reason, like I, I think James Harden needs to, you know, he needs to start with Embiid, and then they Embiid and Harden then for a majority of the game need to be like on different fives, and then on the fifth you know, oh, not in the fifth, in the fourth quarter, then, you know, be on the same five running up and down the court because Embiid is great and he's really the number one option. And then Harden can be a really good number one option and facilitator. But, you know, when he's having to, um, you know, give up those opportunities to Embiid and Embiid shoots some 20 foot jumper when he's seven foot, whatever, and needs to back him back his opponent down and, and, beat up the offensive, uh, beat up the defense that way. Um, and obviously you got Tyree Maxey, who's a great young player, but you know, I don't know this. I just am not a believer in the Sixers. I know that they're a good enough team to get to the second round of the playoffs. I just don't think they're a team that's going to be able to get to the finals. I see the Celtics winning. Now I say all that to this about the Sixers to say that I don't think that the Celtics, for some reason, I don't know how much I trust the Celtics because I truly thought that the Celtics were a lot better than what they're what they've done this series. I I think that there's a lot of games where the Celtics have not played up to their potential and that they've for some reason have been not the Celtics that we're used to. And it's very apparent. And that's you know, I, I think that they'll take care of business in game seven. I, I hope so. I mean, in my opinion, they have the better roster. You got Jason Tatum, you got uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, Al Horford. You still have, you know, uh, Robert Williams. You still have all these players. Not to mention your bench. You acquired Malcolm Brogdon, who's coming off the bench and shoots really well. Kind of opens it. Can help facilitate. Um, and to, I mean, not that the Sixers are a bad team. I'm not trying to say that the Sixers are garbage, but I, th- I'd like to think that the six, the Celtics are better than that. I would anti- I anticipated that they would be representing the East or I, th- I believe that they would because I mean, I think that they have arguably one of the top 10 players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is making a case to be as good as Tatum and, I know last year uh, when they lost in the finals, there was a question, should we break them up? Well, if you were to break them up now, I would probably say that Celtics wouldn't even have gotten this far, you know, but um, we will see. The Celtics um, are an interesting team. I I predict that the Celtics will win game seven and move on. They're going to face the Miami Heat. And I think the Heat is a very interesting team. I really They're playing with a lot of momentum. They're shooting the three ball a little bit more. They're finally using Duncan Robinson. They paid him like 90-something million dollars three seasons ago, benched him for two seasons, and now he's now he's popular in Miami all over again, which is okay. I don't know why they don't like him to begin with, and now they're playing him because he's finally making shots. 
So I'm, I guess we like Duncan Robinson now, but anyways, I, I, I think the heat have the momentum. Jimmy Butler, obviously playoff Jimmy is a legit thing. Um, it's kind of crazy that two play in teams, the Lakers and the heat, they're both in their respective conference finals and potentially could rematch, uh, in the finals from when they were in the bubble, which I kind of hope that they do. Um, I I think that the Lakers though, if the Lakers get to the finals, and I'm a huge if because again we got to worry about Denver before we think about the finals. But again, I I think to wrap up the East conversation, I think the Heat are probably the favorite just because they have the momentum. I don't trust Doc Rivers if he moves on to the conference finals. I don't trust him with the Sixers. Um, the Celtics have like a rookie head coach. Yes, the Celtics players have been uh, in the finals the previous year. I just don't know if they have the coaching and the discipline to get back there. I I like um, Eric Spolstra a lot better, and I think that he will get his he'll get the best out of his guys. And honestly, like there's a lot of pieces to stop when it comes to Miami and they are a physical team. And I don't know if the Celtics will like to play physically. So we'll see. But I would say Miami is probably the new favorite in the East, depending on who they go against. And I, I think that they're going to represent in the finals. And, you know, if the Lakers do rep go and represent the West in the NBA finals, I think that, uh, you know, they're, their Miami bouts are going to be very tough because I think Miami is a little bit different of a team. They're a, a, a tougher team for sure. But the one thing about the Lakers that they won't have to worry about is I don't I don't think they'd have to worry about three-point shooting so much because the Heat don't rely on three-point shooting like the Celtics and like the Nuggets do. And I'd even argue the Sixers. You know, I think the Heat is one of the last teams, very similar to, to the Lakers, by the way, who more play set defense. They let their offense kind of form together and it's a lot of action and then, you know, best open shot and whatnot. But, you know, if it is a rematch of the finals, man, it's going to be a close one because they're basically two identical teams that are very similar. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I like to think that the Lakers team this year is better than 2020 bubble Lakers team. However, though, I, again, I think a lot of factors that, in my opinion, why the bubble was just different is you took the crowd out of it. It was all about strategy and the best team won. And obviously LeBron is the best player on the floor. So I think he obviously had the best team. So this is a little bit different now. I mean, Miami is going to have the Miami home court. Um, the crowd's now in it. A lot of different things to evaluate and to think about. So I think it's uh, very interesting uh, in the future to look ahead to. So the Heat defeated the Knicks in six games. Uh, truthfully, I, I don't, I, I know that the Knicks had a really good, uh, a really good series against, uh, the Cavaliers and, and it looked promising, but truthfully, I don't think that the Knicks were a team that can go on further than the second round, especially even if they went to the Sixers or the Celtics or the heat or whatnot. I think that the, the, the Knicks are a good team, but they're just not there yet. And, you know, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle, they're just not players that you can rely on to get you a bucket when you need to. Randle and RJ Barrett, respectively, had very poor shooting games, did not show up. Um, you know, Bronson is really the only light that they, shining light that they had. And really, truthfully, uh, another discussion maybe Drew and I will have later is, you know, MVP, NBA MVP, because I know Joel Embiid won it. Um, you know, maybe Jokic should have gotten it third time in a row just because of different metrics. But, you know, if we're really looking at MVP and what it really means, and if it really means the most valuable player and one that makes the team strive and all this and that, I think Bronson getting his team all the way to where they're at and a lot of a lot of NBA analysts probably did not have the Knicks even making the playoffs. I mean, I did not think that they had a playoff roster. And Brunson just, you know, I think changed the way that that team was able to play. He played with aggression, he played with heart, he shot the ball very efficiently and very well. And uh, you know, obviously when they acquired Josh Hart in the trading deadline, that did help too. But, um, you know, I, I think a big question is what are the, what are the Knicks going to do? 
I think that they're going to trade Randall, and I think they're going to trade RJ. I, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith had a very passionate uh, plea, or not passionate plea, but a passionate speech where he expressed his frustration with the Knicks and how they played, you know, specifically with Julius Randall and RJ Barrett. Um, you know, he said, go get Damien or go get Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns makes more sense. Um, however, I don't know how he'll do in the New York market with how the media is and, you know, if he has a bad game or, you know, he, I see Carl Anthony Towns struggling in Minnesota, like emotionally. And I wonder if he can handle that at the Knicks. Um, maybe Chris Paul is a, a player that the Knicks maybe want to, uh, try to get, um, you know, I don't know. The the Knicks are going to have to do a lot, though. They definitely need a little bit more shooting. Uh, they definitely need a big man, a facilitator, a 3 and D guy. So they have a lot to work on. And, uh, you know, they played really good defense. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, he coached these guys up really well, got the best out of them. But, you know, Randall, RJ, they just weren't there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they removed this offseason in some form or fashion. And then this roster is going to look a lot different come. Uh, you know, tip off time, uh, for the new season. So anyways, um, so I think that's pretty much it. Looking over my notes. I think that's it. So I touched on the Lakers. I touched on the heat. I'm going to wrap up you guys first. I just want to say again, thank you so much for tuning into Drew Code sports talk. Please go and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can now listen to our podcast on YouTube as well. Uh, Drew now in his new home has from what he's expressed to me, better Wi-Fi. So, which means that when we are both able to uh, get together to do Drew Code again regularly, which is what we will do, um, we'll be able to live stream again. So that way, you know, we'll have live episodes and then obviously it'll be fed on YouTube and then we're going to cut it up and make it look all pretty and repurpose it just like all the other sports content creators are doing. So we're going to be doing the same as soon as, um, you know, schedules permit. I mean, again, Drew is super busy. I'm super busy. And so we are making it work and we will, it just takes a little time. So short hiatus and we will be back. No problem. Better than ever. So anyways, guys, again, I just want to thank you all for listening again. Just a quick reminder from what I just said five seconds ago, (laughs) subscribe to us on YouTube, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the other podcasting platforms that are available. We are there. You can also go to truecodesportstalk.com to listen to us. Uh, You can also check out other content. Check out our partners. We have FNX Fit, uh, Fanatics, and we also have SeatGeek. Uh, We have promo codes and specials to all of them listed down below and also on our website. So, you know, Fanatics, obviously, where you want to get your team merch and stuff. Highly recommend you guys go there. Use our links to go do so uh, to represent your team. Um, Use our discount codes for FNX Fit if you're working on, if you're doing your workout journeys. Drew is a big fan of their protein powder and their creatine. So uh, I'm a big fan of their gear. So just get all of it just to make sure you got everything. And so use the promo code that's down below. It is uh, DrewCode15. You get 15% off with FNX Fit. And then SeatGeek, use the promo code DrewCode, and you will get $20 off your first uh, purchase uh, for tickets when it comes to any sporting, concert, musicals, stuff like that. All that's available at the SeatGeek.com website and also on their app that you can download. Uh, And so that's it for me, you guys. So again, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. I know I'm recording this on a Friday. You guys will probably listen to this on Saturday. But thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you guys. Drew and I will be back hopefully next week. Uh, We'll see how it goes. And then we'll be back together again, giving you guys supreme content. Uh, oh, I almost forgot. Gosh, I'm so glad I said premium content. Just made me uh, remember. Our annual NFL schedule prediction will be coming out, obviously, this summer since the new NFL schedule has come out. So that is on its way. So stay tuned for that. We Each week um, when we go through the NFL season, we go division by division, and we give a prediction to all 32 teams out of all eight divisions and conferences uh and we do that before the start of the year and then at the end of the football regular season we then review what we've done to see how close we got 
And I believe we've done this now three or four years in a row. And if I'm not mistaken, we are split. Or maybe Drew has one over me. But anyways, that's going to be rolling out again. Again, it's our NFL uh, regular season record predictor series is coming out. And then also our top 10 position player rankings will be coming out as well. So like our top 10 quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, yada, 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 so on and so forth. So that's all coming out as well before the NFL season. So please stay tuned for that. If you guys have a top 10 list, please drop it in the comments down below. We'd love to review them and go over them and agree to disagree and go back and forth. Same thing with the record prediction uh, predictions. If we do a division or your favorite team and you have an issue with it or you love it or you hate it, please let us know. We'd love for you guys to interact with us and uh, go back and forth with us. It's what we love to do. And again, it's all for fun and games and it's we're really just, we have no better idea than anybody else. So we are professional amateurs and we have no problem saying that. So, all right, you guys, I am signing off. Good night again. Happy Mother's Day. I will hear from everybody later. And I hope everyone has a great night and a great week. And don't forget, be kind to one another. And I will see you all later. Later.